0: Just because you're not a pre-sales professional, that doesn't mean, you know, you can't get value from being an expert on your product that gains trust from the customer that makes the buying process faster. So that's something that I definitely learned from working with pre-sales folks.
1: Welcome to Pre-Sales Heroes by Vivin. I'm Perry Bronson, your host and pre-sales evangelist. I am thrilled to be here with our first ever guest from the account executive side. I'm joined by Robert Creighton III, an AE at TripleByte, which is an engineer recruiting marketplace, and he's going to be sharing his experience learning from pre-sales to deliver a better experience for his buyers. Robert, how are you doing today?
0: Doing really, really well. Uh, Thank you so much for the introduction, Perry, and I'm super excited to uh, chat with you about pre-sales today.
1: Fabulous. Me as well. Robert and I met recently at a PSC meetup, which Vivin was sponsoring, and I was so pleased to meet my first ever AE at one of those events. I was so impressed (laughs) with you uh, showing up there. And I know you actually have your own podcast as well, and that Mm -hmm. really inspired me to, to get you on here and have this conversation about how you're reaching buyers, how you have learned from pre-sales and did just quickly want to kind of touch base with you on on your podcast, which is called That's When I Knew. I I love how you're bridging the gap between the personal and the professional in the technology and sales profession. So what inspired you to start your own podcast?
0: Well, I actually had a moment in my career in life where I was reflecting. It was actually a downtime in my career where I wasn't sure if uh, tech sales was for me um, essentially, I had been laid off from a company and didn't know if this was going to be the career for me. And thankfully, I was able to land a new job with a great company, uh, which is Triple Byte. I started to find immediate success. And at that time, I started to reflect on all the other times where I've had success. And I was reflecting. I was like, wow, all of these moments are really, in retrospect, moments where I should reflect and remember, uh, you know, previous times when I've been able to accomplish th- things and uh, and use that to uh, boost my confidence uh, as I continue to, you know, progress in my career, even in the down moments. So um, I figured other people had similar moments and you know, wisdom that they can share from their career as well as just from their early lives, and I wanted to be able to capture that in a, in a creative. Uh, way. So that's when I knew the podcast is my I, it's my passion project and gives me an opportunity to learn from people that I respect and really uh, look up to that are actually or, ordinary people, people that are in the tech world uh, and, and capture those moments.
1: That's really interesting. I think a lot about how we who work in in software, we work in technology, have our personal lives. And we come from such interesting walks of life. It's it's cool because this is an industry where you can really bootstrap yourself. And it's, it's not a cookie cutter background we come from. And so it's something I think a lot about. And I, I just love that you are investing your personal time into that passion project. So very inspiring. But shifting gears a little bit, You know, we had an interesting conversation when we met recently at that event, and we were talking a lot about something that we talk about at Vivin, which is this sales proof buyer. And I think Mm -hmm. talking to somebody from the account executive side, I love to get your perspective on it. And just a little bit of context for the audience Um, Vivin's not the only one to talk about the lack of trust, of course, that we're seeing in B2B sales. This is something that everyone's been talking about for a couple of years, really. Gartner has talked about it. LinkedIn recently Mm -hmm. published some data around around a survey where they asked a large number of professionals, which they clearly have in their network, about how they feel about salespeople. And the vast majority, like 68%, said they don't see salespeople as a trustworthy profession. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear from you, Robert. As a seller, what is your take on this situation?
0: Um, well, I think it goes farther back to even today. Um, you know, you have this whole persona of the used car salesperson, like a really pushy, uh s- s- snaky type of person that'll do anything to to, you know, to to get you to sign on that dotted line. Um and I think it's so unfortunate that this does plague the the sales profession. And the the reasons why this has happened, I mean, there's there's multiple reasons. I think uh, you know, sales is one of those careers where it, it, it's a low barrier to entry. So it, it's it's a low barrier entry in, in you know in the sense that you don't necessarily have to go through a rigorous training like passing the bar or going to med school or or one of these very high level education uh, programs. And so there could be more opportunities where you know bad apples can you know slip through the cracks. But I also think that really the culture of you know the tech startup, high growth, growth at any means, um, also kind of inspires, in, in certain instances, bad behavior among salespeople. But with that said, I think that buyers today are more empowered than they've ever been to avoid dealing with bad selling practices. You have technology, you have the internet, you have uh, sources like G2 Crowd where buyers can place reviews. And I imagine that in the future, there will be services and applications where customers and companies can provide feedback that stays with sellers as they progress through their career, almost like a report card. And at that point, reputation and how your your reputation amongst buyers and in the industry will uh be more important or as important as um how often you've achieved your quota and yeah and i believe that that's a, a world not too far away um one of the sales leaders at uh linkedin was recently asked on a uh, on a speaking engagement what her thoughts were on the future of the sales pr- uh, profession and what the most valuable attribute of a seller would be. And she said uh, reputation. And so that's something that I agree with as well. It's something that I keep with me as I continue to progress through my career, not just how can I close deals and be the, the best seller, the highest earner, but also how can I make my customers look good? How can I help them achieve their business objectives and not put their jobs in, in jeopardy by? overselling or selling them a solution that is not going to actually be of value and help them achieve their company goals.
1: That's really inspiring. Robert, you sound like the kind of AE that I would have loved to work with back when I was working in pre-sales myself. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I love the idea of a report card. That's just really cool. I almost envision it like a Uber rating, like a (laughs) For for your buyers, like how many star experience did you get from this? Um, and it's not just the seller, right? It's also the product. It's the pre sales folks if you have them, right? It's the services. It's the whole culture of the company. And I really liked that you brought up the credibility and the approach the sales team takes, the way that they handle those quota pressures and those revenue targets. Of course, we have to meet our goals, but at what cost? And I, I really like your long tail thinking around. Not only, you know, of course, the buyer's experience down the road—did they meet their goals? But also your reputation as a seller and the longevity of your career. If you go burning lots of bridges, you're not going to get those those great referrals. And this certainly, this is data that is tracked today on the company level. But um, yeah, I love love the approach, and I'd like to hear also from you, Robert, about who is your buyer today. You're, you're at a company called TripleByte, and yes. what? Yeah, what are you doing to create an experience for them?
0: Yeah, so TripleByte is a uh, assessments uh, platform for uh, employers. So employers will use TripleByte. To screen engineers um, that are applying to uh, positions within their company, and what's really unique about uh, triple byte Screen is it's really disrupting uh, a legacy way of uh, you know how c- uh, companies will uh, pick and choose which candidates to consider for certain roles. Historically, it's been based on resume credentials. You know, what school did you go to? Where did you work previously? Did you work for a Fang company? Oh wow, let's move you to the let's get you going. But you know, the the re- the, the reality of the matter is there's more people that went to a community college or graduated from a boot camp or who maybe started their own uh, project that just didn't get the traction. So we need ways to be able to give these candidates uh, uh, an option and an ability to put their best foot forward in a meaningful way. So what Triple Byte Screen has done is it's created uh, these assessments that are based on the actual uh, skills necessary for an engineer uh, to do their job well. Uh, and we work with companies to administer these assessments at the very beginning of their interview process as a replacement to the resume review. So it's a data-driven, it's an objective uh, and highly predictable, uh, predictive, excuse me, uh, method of, of screening those engineering candidates as they uh, come into your funnel.
1: Wow. I can see where you're going with the report card idea on the sales side. This sounds like something we could absolutely use and, um, go to market as well. This is a really interesting technology. And I understand that you're a pretty lean team. Is that right? And are you doing your own demos today?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we are, um uh, a lean and mean team, uh, of about 50 uh, people spread out across the States and Canada. Um, and, uh, yeah. Today, because, you know, so it's a smaller team. I've worked for bigger teams where we've had all of the resources and boy, I do, I do miss, uh, my pre-sales folks because they do make your life easier and they add so much value to the sales process, both for me as a seller and I, uh, at, for the clients. Um, but, uh, as it stands today, I, I do, you know, I'm the pre-sales and the post-sales, um, all in one. Um, so I, I do my own demos and, um, and discovery demos, negotiation, basically full full cycle.
1: Wow, that sounds like a lot. And what what on the post sales side?
0: Well, on the, well, actually, I, excuse me. Um, not not so much post sales in the sense of account management and kind of managing that relationship. We do we're, have account managers who will uh, you know take the reins once a, a company has decided to to work with us. So yeah, I do everything post our company deciding to move forward.
1: I see what you're saying. Yes. So you're taking them through that entire buyer experience from their lead that you qualify to the demo, to the evaluation, and through that handoff to your uh, account management team, it sounds like.
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: Got it. Got it. Um, and you've clearly learned a lot from working with pre-sales in the past. Um, otherwise, you're, you're doing a lot on, on the fly here. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, curious to hear what was that experience like in your, in your past, what was the engagement like with pre-sales and how, how are you using what you learned from them today?
0: Yeah, so I, I pre- prior to coming to TripleByte, I worked for a company called uh, Talkwalker as well as another company called Keep Trucking. In both cases, uh, there were resources, uh, there were pre-sales resources, team members that would uh, can help out during the sales process. Normally, they would attend the demo call and run the demo and show the customer the features and uh, uh, that were relevant to that that customer. and um, there's wow. There's so much that I learned from working with pre-sales folks. I mean, number one, pre-sales folks are experts on the product, and just because you're not a pre-sales professional, that doesn't mean you know you can't get value from being an expert on your product. That gains trust from the customer, that makes the buying process faster. There's so many benefits to you know coming across as an expert and really knowing your product. So that's something that I definitely learned from you know both of those uh, companies and working with pre-sales folks there. Another thing that I, I, I learned is the idea of customization and really catering your demo and that whole sales experience to the actual customer. So in certain cases, you can't really get super, super custom if you don't have you know that support to help you build out something custom for that customer. Um, but you know, uh, In instances currently where I'm working with a a larger enterprise customer, I will take the time to make sure that, you know, that demo is as tailored to that customer as possible. And that's something that I got from, you know, seeing how pre-sales professionals would, um, you know, come into the process and, and provide that level of service for prospective customers.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think everything you mentioned is important, tailoring. Knowing your stuff before, when we were chatting, you'd mentioned that doing a really good discovery was also about listening and not yes. just talking and selling your product, of course, but kind of asking the right questions.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that's something that both sellers and pre-sales uh, professionals, I think, should do really well. Um, and actually, now that I really think about and reflect on my early careers as an account executive when I was a bit green and uh, you know, I'd be nervous on those some of those sales calls. But something that I learned from the pre-sales at that time, as well, is that discovery doesn't just happen during the, the discovery call. You know, um, the best pre-sales folks that I work with would also ensure that the product and that the features that they were showing were hitting home and were relevant, and checking in with that with the prospective customer. And then, as a seller, as you continue to grow and get a bit more confidence then you know th- those are roles that you can also play as part of that trusted advisor role of the, of the uh, customer but that's something i initially learned from the pre-sales people that i've worked with in the past
1: yeah yeah i'm really glad you brought up the perspective on which products which features which capabilities to focus on in a given a given deal a given customer's business needs i'm curious What's your role um at your current company in actually feeding back what you're hearing from the field from your buyers from your prospects to your product team like mm-hmm. are are you the one who's kind of being put in that product expert role where you're getting the really pointed feedback and and carrying that over to product and and what's that like on a lean team
0: yeah, so on a lean team, I wear multiple hats i'm actually uh uh, one of two go to a GTM go to market professionals on the screen product side. So we have two products. We have the screen product, we have another product um, as well. But for Triple Byte Screen, we we kind of work in a pod where it's myself, we have an account manager, and then we have our engineering team and our product manager. So we um the, any any feedback, any you know, questions that I get that, you know, around our product, these are shared instant, almost instantaneously with, uh, uh, my engineering team and my product team. And, and we work in, 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 stints, uh, or sprints, excuse me. So, uh, you know, not your normal kind of workflow as a salesperson, normally you're working like kind of a monthly or quarterly basis, monthly goals, quarterly goals. We're working on, bi uh, biweekly sprints. And as a salesperson, I'm feeding back that in- insight and information that I'm getting from the market right away to, to my uh, product development team that makes discovery even more important for a seller because you really want to know what what your customers are pain points are and how they're envisioning using the solution what their envision is for an ideal solution why this is important and mix of how this it makes a business impact on them so that way you can you know share that information with uh, the engineering team
1: yeah, I, I miss working on small lean teams like that where you could just literally turn around and, and talk to the software engineer yeah. that's working on something, or you know, the product manager. Of course, as you grow, it checks and balances, and you know, things things end up getting tossed over fences. But future future problems. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun. I mean, you learn a lot in a very fast pace. I mean, I've learned a lot. I have probably learned more at TripleByte in the last two years than I've learned the eight years. You know, the rest of my career in uh, in tech. So, working at a very, very early stage startup and uh, on a product that's basically coming from an MVP to a full fledged product used by over 500 companies and seeing that growth it has been uh, really eye opening and just a fun ride. And yeah, I'm super grateful having a lot of fun doing it. So,
1: sounds like they're lucky to have you. Well, speaking of that, that growing pain that can happen at truly any company where teams get bigger, they get more focused, inevitably you end up with functions that have different goals and, you know, are meant to provide checks and balances. Two of those teams, sales and pre-sales, of course, there's some natural friction built in there, right? You know, I think there's it's healthy to have two different kind of goals. And, you know, sometimes you have to play that good cop, bad cop game where the seller really does need to push their deals forward if you're gonna hit your lofty targets and the pre-sales person is meant to kind of pump the brakes and make sure is this right is this deal going to grow or is it going to be a turn and burn (laughs) turn the next quarter kind of deal which no one wants to experience so you know for for folks that are in teams that have that that friction between sales and pre-sales how can they work better together from your experience and and to make sure that they're keeping the buyer in mind of course you have your own goals but how can they partner to make sure that regardless of those goals being met that the buyers really front and center and having a good experience
0: yeah well without going too deep into this i'll say that i think it actually starts off from a company perspective in the sense that the company needs to make sure that goals are achievable what what does the company value as like morals and you know values from their account executives are they valuing you know revenue at any cost or are they valuing good customer experience? Are customers signing up and turning or are companies signing up and having a great time and renewing and renewing at higher ARR each year? So these are questions that Leadership needs to ask and make sure that the, the infrastructure and how they you know build the team uh, is in line with a healthy sales approach that has those things in mind. Now, in terms of best practices for working with pre-sales people, um, I do have some things that I can share just based off of my career. I think, you know, the relationship, it, it comes down to a couple things. Number one, I think two things, really. It's respect and communication. Respect is huge. You know, you have to treat your, your you know, your, your team with respect, you have to value your your pre sales people because at the end of the day, I've done it. I've had a job where I've done all the demos, and I have a job with, where I had someone that helped me with that. And uh, the latter is always better. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you have to appreciate something when you have it, and really just show that that appreciation because when you do that, they'll be on your side and they'll want to work with you, and you'll have a healthy relationship. Now, the communication is also important because pre sales people are going to be experts on the product and you know usually the product use case it's really important for you as the account executive to be uh, an expert on your customer and you know yeah. you have to know what's going to hit the mark you know you can't go into a call kind of guessing you know you can't you can't go into a call and have your pre sales person guessing on what's going to hit the mark coach your pre sales person and give them all the information really guide them so that they they'll also be able to have a, a successful demo everyone wins so I think it's about respect and you know appreciating your, your pre-sales, having great communication, doing great discovery, and kind of coaching them on you know what you believe are going to be the uh, things that hit the mark. And then with that, with that, I think it always starts off inward, inward first. So as an account executive, those are the things that I'm thinking about how I can foster a healthy relationship with pre-sales. But I think if I'm able to do that. And I think what I would ask for in return from pre-sales folks is, hey, just trust that the insights that I'm sharing are going to really hit the mark. You know, I've been in certain calls where where I can do all of the coaching, share all of these insights into what I believe that will drive this deal to a close. And the pre-sales person, because they know the product like the back of their hand and are so excited to share features that might be new and exciting to them or other customers, They'll go down other paths of saying, hey, well, this is also things that we can do. And time is limited. Space in in someone's mind is limited. So we have to be sure that we're really executing on what's going to get this closest deal, move this forward. And I think my ask for pre-sales folks is to really lean on your salesperson uh, uh, for, for that kind of direction, given they've proven to you that they basically know what they're doing (laughs) and they're, uh, treating you with respect and, and, you know, uh, communicating to you in a healthy and uh, proficient way.
1: Absolutely. Yep. It's a two way street. And I can say as someone that used to get into demos when I was just getting my feet wet as a pre-sales person, you know, there is something to be said about the end listener's cognitive load. And we get really excited sometimes at all these things we can do and our mind is racing and we're making connections that they just can't make as quickly all the time because this is maybe new information. And, and you know, I agree a, a good seller knows what their immediate challenges are and where to focus and not to overwhelm. And then over time, you know, you can build out that crawl, walk, run plan and make sure they're going to get the full value. I totally hear you on that. I really liked your, your main feedback, which was to create the trusted environment internally on the team at the company level. And that if you have that trust, that respect, that open communication amongst yourselves, inherently, you're going to create a better experience for everyone who comes into communication with you. And if, if you're not getting that from your buyer's side, well, at least it's on them and not coming from internal conflict. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today, Robert. Other takeaways for for the audience, help your sales folks be more independent, as kind of what I heard here. It's okay. We don't have to do all the demos. Help them learn how to tailor their demos and their conversations as well. They can learn from us in terms of how to really listen and, and ask the right questions and to learn the product. It shouldn't be a threat when salespeople know a lot about the product or even as much as we do, that just gives us the ability to go deeper in other areas because we're not being expected to give the Harbor Cruise demo every single time or have the same conversation when sales is totally incapable of, of doing that. So I think it's it's awesome. And pre-sales is only going to become more strategic and more elevated as sales becomes more detail oriented and knowledgeable about the product. And there's, there's always going to be room to split the responsibilities and make your buyer as successful as possible.
0: Absolutely. I love that one team, one dream, and it's all about a good buying experience for the customer. So yeah, Perry, I really appreciate you having me on the show today.
1: It's good to have you. I can't wait to have you back and thanks again. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you.